I'm Intruder Green. You might know me from things like Hits and Pits, See My Valley City Jail, and Wink. Welcome to the Intruder Green Podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, uh, you know, I don't got a whole lot to say about the with the everything going on these days, you guys, because uh, it's all more the same. Everything that's happening on this day. Oh, yeah, I got to say the date. It's, it's the 18th of October. Which means uh, Halloween's right around the corner. I know I talked about that on the last one. Um, and that's super important to me because that's like the best holiday ever. Uh, you get to walk around outside and people don't get weirded out that you're wearing a mask like they usually do. Which is good because it uh, makes them easier to rob, allegedly. Anyway, uh, yeah, I hope you guys are finding a way to enjoy this season. Uh, regardless of the world uh, going crazy. Um, the world's... Actually, you know what? America's going crazy. The rest of the world is still dealing with the pandemic, but America's like so fucked right now. It's, it's kind of nuts. Uh, so I hope that while we have issues and shit to deal with, you guys are still finding ways to enjoy life. I know that, uh, you know, things that we got this like second wave coming back with the with Corona and everything. And that's fucking major bummer. But uh you know, eh, I don't know what Halloween's going to be like. I feel bad for the kids this year because they're probably not going to be able to go trick-or-treating. Or maybe, like, because they could wear, like, a, a mask and a costume or something, maybe that makes it safer. I don't know. Probably not. But I hope they still get a lot of candy and, uh, you know, TP and egg some houses because that's what it's all about. All right. Uh, but uh, the other thing that's right around the corner that we got to remember, guys, it's election day is coming in November and you got to vote. Uh, I know there's probably a few uh, random like Trump, Trump uh, guys and gals or whatever uh, supporters that listen to this podcast. Maybe not. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I think uh, a lot of people uh, who are fans of Master Truder, fans of the podcast here uh, have some idea of like what the kind of future is going to be good for America and the world. And I hope you guys uh, doing your part. It's like the minimum of what you got to do is get out and vote. You don't even have to do it. I know a lot of people are doing it early uh, with mail-in ballots. And that's kind of a scary thing with the way the uh, people in power are trying to uh, dismantle the U.S. post office. So uh, you could do it other ways in advance. But I think you, you like call your city clerk or some shit like that. Uh, try to get it done. Um, because it's real important. It's never been more important. I feel like we say that every election, but, uh, it's always true. You know, we got, uh, we got like, uh, the Supreme Court is about to become like the most, uh, uh, what do you, what do you want to call it? Uh, blah, 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 conservative, whatever, uh, since like a long time. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, not so good for like, uh, women's right to choose and all that stuff. Uh, lots of other things too. Like, we're so stoked that we finally legalized weed all over the place. And, like, yeah, it's legal for now. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? All right. You know, it used to be legal. And then it was not for a while. And now it's legal again uh, a little bit. And, uh, you know, who knows for how long? You know, it's like that's not the biggest issue that we're dealing with these days. But it's definitely one of them. And it's got a lot of lots of other uh, implied integrations. That's not a word. Implications. That's the one. All right. Yeah. So anyway, I want to give a shout out to the producers of the podcast. We got Luke Ellis, Hedda Royston, Gem City, Sabrina, Vaughn Cotton, Sarah Koenig, Chelsea McNally, Cardboard Box Colony, and Carlos Hernandez. Thanks, everybody, for sticking in there. Even the ones who uh, aren't on the higher tiers where I say your name. I appreciate it. I know we're not doing these as much as I like to and 
as much as we used to but i'm still trying to get them out for you guys and i got some good guests lined up in the future so uh just uh thank you for uh sticking in there and speaking of guests i gotta get to uh who i got on this week it's uh dennis jaggert jaggert i, I still struggle with his name even though he told me the right way to say it of of 10 foot pole uh that's uh, that's how you know him uh top player singer and uh we, we, we we've played some shows together and stuff uh and uh in europe and in uh australia i think uh we talk about that a little bit and we got real into politics on this one i'm not trying to make this a political uh podcast guys i'm really not but it kind of does go hand in hand with uh punk rock because we're all about like fighting the fucking man and uh you know all that stuff so uh you know it's gonna happen i suppose I don't think he's the kind of guy who likes to talk about that stuff, as you might notice in the conversation, but he definitely obviously has some uh, ideas about it and uh, some, some you know, he's he, he's a smart dude, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, you know, check out their uh, new new album and everything. Um, I believe it's out now or his, uh, it's, it's yeah, they, they released an acoustic album. Uh, I think it com- came out on the 9th, so it should be ready and available wherever you want to listen to that stuff. Uh, and uh, without further ado, I'm on the show. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from Detroit Green. An inmate at Federal Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Jagged on the Intruder Green Podcast. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's been an interesting year, and it's been a while since we saw each other. Uh, I think we played together back in, in Europe. Uh, was that the only time we played together? Uh, I've seen you guys quite a few places, but I don't. Yeah. I can't put my finger on all of them. One of them was in Arizona in a parking oh, lot shit. gig with the really? Necromantics. Oh yeah, that's right. Sure. Yeah, we that was it like was a outside of a special thing. Yeah, the, there. at the Yucca Tap. Yeah, that's a fun place. Yeah, it was a Yucca Tap room, but but there was a stage outside, and we were playing outside. Yeah, that's right. It was like a special thing, and we had to like I don't know. We like we did the like the whole rock star thing where we like flew in, played the show, and then had to fly back for some reason. I don't know. It was probably like uh, you know breaking. Uh, uh, what do you call it when you're uh, break a probation or something, so we had to get back home real quick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a to cool get the ankle bracelets back on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, you you can't you can't leave it sitting too long and figure it out. Um, but yeah, uh, so that was fun. Uh, and then I, I think we played on a boat in uh, it was either in Amsterdam or Paris with you guys. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's that, that boat in Paris with a good uh, sound system. I remember places by their sound systems because I'm a sound engineer. But uh, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, you're real uh, good at that stuff, uh, and they got they got good <laughs> sound on that boat, huh? Yeah, it was a good one. You, you guys sounded great. I mean, I don't know how we sounded, but uh, yeah, Probably you guys sounded great. great. It was you guys a, always sound great. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 
Oh, and then, uh, yeah, we were doing, where was it? I want to say you guys were on the Australia tour. Is that right? No. Am I crazy? Yeah, yeah we did uh, It's Pits Festival. That's what it was. Yeah. I remember, yeah, because we played some, like, uh, off show from there, too. And, uh, yeah, that's where we were seeing you guys every day was the Hits and Pits Fest. Yeah. Which yeah, was, that, was, uh, that was a good one. It uh, was fun. But I don't blame you for getting confused. <laughs> it was oh, like yeah. You Unwritten know, Law and Strung Out. Oh, so many uh, bands. Death by Stereo. Yeah, that's right. So many bands. And, uh, you know, over the years, you go on tours and it, you know, I don't know if it happens to you, but for me, it's always like, oh, yeah, we played that show with that band. What country was that in? I don't know. What year was it? I don't know. I mean, it was always a good time. Yeah, you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, as a sound engineer, that happens to me too, where, oh, yeah. you know, mixing up whether I've been there as a sound engineer or a band. And often I, I only remember the place by the backstage. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll like walk in room backstage. And say, I've been here before. And, and then suddenly it'll all come back to me. But for whatever reason, a lot of venues and places just kind of blend in together unless something really bad or really good happened there. Yeah, that's true. That that that's definitely true for me too. Um and backstages definitely have that uh effect uh as well. You know, like you you always want to play the show and you, you do a good job and stuff, but like sometimes if they like take extra good care of you or something or or it's extra gnarly, like there's definitely a few places that I won't even mention, but every time we go there and I see it on like the tour schedule. I'm like, ah, oh, and it's like the crowd is great and everything, but I'm like, we got to deal with that whole backstage situation. All right, well, this is happening now, you know. So I could see where you, yeah, where, you just you thing. plan a laundry day the next day, try to, <laughs> to try to do a cleansing. That's right. That's right. A detox or a disinfect decontamination day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you are you are uh, Mr. Sound Guy, uh, doing all sorts of like super super good stuff. So how did you go from? Uh, was that always your thing, or did you kind of get into that from being in in the the punk rock band? Um, I I kind of grew up doing both. I oh, yeah. my family had some sound engineering background in it. My my grandfather was a sound engineer in uh, Richmond, California, oh, wow. in an auditorium, and he was he was president of the union, and uh, so it he was originally a projectionist and then when they invented sound basically for talkies for movies with sound oh, yeah. uh the projectionist kind of got into sound and uh there was a lot of labor fights and uh so him and his buddies kind of fought for better wages and whatnot and he ended up with this cushy job at an auditorium doing sound and uh and also working for the city so when i was 11 years old i think 1979 uh, I started going up there every year and doing sound for graduations while he slept because he was a union guy. So he <laughs> oh, didn't get his enough hours of sleep. And, wow. and uh, so, yeah, I was a little kid mixing high school graduations in the Richmond Auditorium. They did two or three graduations a day in the in this big. It's like three, five thousand, three thousand, five thousand people seating auditorium. And I'm um, just a little kid back there dialing. But but my Holy dad, uh, my dad made a. Uh, missile systems and things like inertial navigation systems uh defense stuff but on the side he was really interested in sound too and and he built the mixer that i was mixing on so when i was a kid i was mixing on a mixer my dad built while my grandpa slept <laughs> doing wow sound for like three thousand when i was not even a teenager yet so, yeah. so that's kind of how you know that that's the path it took i thought i'd become a lawyer or a doctor or something else <laughs> worthwhile but uh i just love to do in sound so i i love making music i love mixing music and i go back and forth between 
wanting to be in the spotlight and like me, 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 look at me, I'm the star to like being a tech where I'm just a sound engineer. I'm just head down, yeah. not worried if I have a pimple on my face that day <laughs> and not worried about what kind of shoes I'm wearing. Just only worried about, does that snare drum sound great? Like this Prince's voice sound like Prince, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that, so, so yeah, over the years I've gotten a pretty good reputation and, and, um, currently I'm, I'm on a weird Al Yankovic's team. Oh, so, uh, yeah, that's weird awesome. Al is just amazing i didn't even know how big he was when i first got the call they were like weird al and i just kind of imagined these shows i was working for jimmy world at the time and we were playing a lot of kind of clubs and i figured weird al was about the same like you know a thousand people or whatever yeah. like i had no idea oh, he'd yeah, no, play he... at the hollywood bowl there'd be like fifteen thousand people in an orchestra <laughs> oh i'm sure like weird al everybody loves weird al you know like i live in germany now uh you know undisclosed location in germany but you know somewhere in germany and they they love him over here he's like huge you know like that's that's awesome that that you're doing that now i think he's a pretty he seems like you probably met him in person so i don't know so good but he seems like a pretty cool dude he's definitely funny and uh you know funny people are yeah. usually pretty cool yeah he's really introverted like he'll, he'll be really quiet unless you're talking to him and if you're talking to him he's usually very polite and and nice and He's like a kind guy, but he does have that like uh, biting sense of sarcasm if he wants oh, sure, to. Yeah. But yeah, he's you know he's a hard worker and he and he's spent years building his career and he just he just goes at it and and he knows what he wants and he's very detail oriented. But it's perfect for me because I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes yeah. to that sort of thing. That's why I like performing. Like when I let go of that technician hat, I go out and. I'm just singing my songs my way, doing my thing, and I don't have to like pay attention to those details as much. I just just rock, you yeah. know. Let's just rock and have a good time. And that's, that's but when I'm the sound engineer, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for Finesse. sure. And I mean, you know, we obviously there's a spectrum of of of, of sound engineers as far as like talent goes, as as well as like uh, you know musicians and stuff. Uh, but it. Uh, I could say, you know, like anybody who doesn't know, you, you, you're definitely very good. Obviously, if you're working for a Weird Al and Prince, you, you got to be pretty good at what you're doing. Um, but I would say it's 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 great too that you you go from like doing sound for these big like Nash, you know, world acts, world class acts, and everything, and then you're in a punk band. So it's like, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're 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 a great punk band, but it's still a punk band. And that's kind of like, to me, it's always going to be that other end of the spectrum where it's all about like, yeah, like you said, letting loose and fucking just uh, doing your thing. And, uh, you know, maybe you, you don't hit every note just perfectly, but that's okay because it's punk rock. Oh, or any note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I don't hit any note perfectly. <laughs> that's right. As long as you got the energy and people are into it, it's all good. I, I It's a mental health thing for me. Like, I honestly oh, just can't. Sure. I can't stay doing this one thing for a long time. So like literally when I'm out on tour with weird Al, like my dinner break is I, and that's why I wrote, uh, you know, one reason I'm here to try to plug my acoustic album. Yeah. I made a 10 foot pole acoustic album called simmer down. And it grew from my, my mental health breaks were when in the afternoon, like if I had a little break, instead of just sleeping in the, in the bus, I'd grab an acoustic guitar and go outside and just start singing and playing guitar. Oh yeah. And it, it kind of developed to where I started doing shows on my spare days. And, um, but that was a mental health break. Like if you're just there, like on the, on the, um, stress and 
you know, uh, high, uh, high business situations, then all of a sudden you got an hour and a half to kill. It's like you grab an acoustic guitar and start singing and it's a big release. It's like a mental, you know, it's like having sex in the middle of the day. You're just kind of <laughs> like your whole body just relax. Like it wakes me up, but also relaxes and just like relieves the, relieves oh, yeah. all the, the, uh, stress. And, um, so just every single day I would do that, just go out and sing, you know, just find a place to sing in front of people or not and just play the songs. And, and so o- over time, I also worked out a lot of new songs. And so Simmer Down is a mix of old 10-foot pole songs that I redid in a different acoustic versions and then um, brand new songs, That's but, but written on acoustic guitar. Oh, yeah. That's super cool. And I was going to say, too, um, of course, we want to talk about the new album, uh, which I didn't listen to yet because I was like, you know, uh, Melanie K is like the coolest chick in Canada hooked us up, uh, with the, with this, uh, you know, meeting and everything. Um, and she sent me this link and I thought it was just like, okay, here's what's going on with these guys and all that stuff. And I didn't realize until like a half hour ago that, that the music is actually attached to that link. And I could have heard the album cause it's not out yet. Right. <laughs> It's not out. Yeah, well, I'm surprised. So you have a, you, you have like a, I'm glad you didn't just like pal it on. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> know. Give it to like one of those uh, <laughs> groups that be, puts the album out a couple days early just to, to wreck be, everything. Yeah, you know, I might be alleged criminal, but you know, like you gotta, you gotta <laughs> pick your, pick your battles, pick your crimes, you know. You don't want to screw over everybody. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure people in Germany really want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They do I like mean, the acoustic totally punk over here. Probably outside of Berlin, I'm guessing, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, but what I what I do want to say is, uh, yeah, it's really cool that because I was I did listen to uh, your last year you you guys did an album and yeah, that yeah. was it. Almost seems to me like that was like as opposite as you guys could get from an acoustic album with. So much uh, synthesizers and like uh, doing guitar solos and everything, which is like kind of, I guess that's kind of commonplace for you guys. But like, uh, you know, it was just like real all over the place with that sort of stuff. And it sounds real good. So I think that an acoustic album, you know, obviously the times being what they are with everything that's going on. I think that calls for it. But it's also kind of like a perfect follow up to what you guys did before oh thanks well i thought escalating quickly was like a lot more musical like we kind of went off on a on a different direction than our typical like skate punk all fast all like you know chugga chugga taka taka and um (laughs) and and i also gave ryan green our producer a lot of kind of permission to just have fun with it he's the one who played the keyboard parts oh yeah he did a lot of it brought it in uh, guys like yeah, Dan Palmer and and um, oh, Dan great. from Atreyu, yeah. um, doing those dueling guitar solos, and then our guitarist. And so I just told Ryan, like, have fun with it. Like, let's just like make this, you know, crazy. We had like guest players on it, and just had a good time. And um, and and then the acoustic album was kind of the opposite, where I I haven't ever mixed and recorded an album just by myself as like the producer, yeah. as, as the mixer and producer. And um, so. On Simmer Down, I did the opposite of instead of giving a producer a lot of control, I just I was like, I'm gonna make it my way this time. This is gonna <laughs> be my like how Dennis Jaggard would do a record. And um in fact and one time Prince told me one time Prince asked me, you know, have do you make records? Like, you know, have you ever made a record? And I said, No, I, I specialize in live sound. 
And at the time I thought, you know, that's like, I was proud of that. Like I'm a live sound engineer, like, cause it's like a battlefield out there. You go out there and it's like, just do the best you can under like the clock's ticking. There's an audience there. There's no chances for failure. You just, or there is chance for failure, but it's in front of the audience. Yeah. There's no rewinding the tape and going back. Yeah, yeah. And um, and he said, "Well, you should. You should make a record." And um, so finally I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twenty years later, or whatever it is now. Hell yeah. But um, you know, w- with the the social isolation situation, it kind of gave me time to really play with it. I was gonna give it to a mixer, but um, I had so much time. I decided, you know, this is this is a chance for me to see if I can mix this record. I always had the backup plan was if I suck, I'll just send it out, have someone else mix it. But I took control of it and just kept working on it until I was happy. And we got to a point where even the guys that I know that are really good mixers, you know, they might have been able to make certain things sound better than me, but it wasn't it would just be different, not necessarily better. Right. And it would be their vision instead of mine. So this record was kind of where escalating quickly was just like gnarly and crazy guitar solos all over <laughs> simmer down is a lot more focused and, and simple. And just like, I, I tried to make it to where if you were on a road trip, you could listen to this for a half hour and it wouldn't hurt your ears. There's not bashing cymbals. Yeah. I tried to make it beautiful. Like how Beck would do it or, you know, like to make it sound good. There's a couple songs out now. I don't know wh- when this will uh, release your podcast, but there's, there's at least two songs out already that people can get to from 10 Okay. If you have a, but whatever's out at the time, if you look at our news section at 10footpole.com, you can stream whatever's out. Word. Um, yeah, I'm not sure when this is coming out either because uh, life has been crazy lately and I used to do this once a week and now it's been like a month since I did it. <laughs> so, uh, but we're getting on, back on track and, uh, you know, Melanie K, God bless her heart for kicking me in the butt and being like, hey, <laughs> go interview Dennis. I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good time. Um, but yeah, uh, so when does the actual full album come out then? Do, do you got a release October date? 9th. October 9th. All right. Yeah, October, October 9th. So, uh, there's one song, one video out already called Sarcasm Decoder. There's another song, uh, called Scars that's out now. And, and there's like a lyric video for Scars that's coming out in a couple of days. And then, uh, there's going to be another song come out. And then finally October 9th. But you know, whenever your thing comes out, if someone just goes to 10footpole.com, yeah. And looks at the news section. It'll have yeah. whatever's out. It'll have links kind of right there. For so sure. that's where I'd recommend going for whatever's up to date at that time. Hell yeah, sounds very good. Um, and uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask you a little bit about you know like uh, you you worked for Prince, and that's that's got to be like one of the, the 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 biggest gigs you can get as a sound engineer because um, like he's pretty you know, sound engineer savvy himself, let alone a great artist. <laughs> or he was RIP. But uh Yeah. You also did you were involved with doing sound at the Super Bowl. I'm sure they made you sign yeah, some yeah. kind of document that says you won't talk shit about the Super Bowl. But what was that like? Can you give us any insight at all? <laughs> well yeah the, the Super Bowl the, the trick with the Super Bowl is you have a really narrow time window. I think mm. I think it's twelve minutes that you have to from from when they play end playing football yeah. when the music's supposed to start, I think is twelve minutes. And um I, I don't know how it is these days, but at that time it was in um in uh Florida near uh near Miami and uh at, in that stadium there were very narrow uh tunnels to get into the field. So the whole stage had to be broken down in sections of stage that were only 
something like eight feet or 12 feet. I can't remember. I think eight feet wide. So essentially you have to push everything together and then hook it all together out on the field. And then it works. And that includes pyro, um, you know, so, so there's like sound, there's like microphones and monitors and power and lights. So there's power and then things like pyro. Yeah, like they're they're hooking up. Yeah, it's not just a regular concert. Yeah, yeah, and then you're gonna put it on for like you know 40 million people are watching. So so that's a lot of pressure. Um, another interesting thing is they do a dress rehearsal a couple nights before, and um, at the dress rehearsal they have a full crowd and everything. Oh wow! And and on on the Super Bowl night, um, uh, it started raining. Oh, and so they went to Prince and they said. Do you want to just use the dress rehearsal shots? So, so the dress re- rehearsal is the backup. Uh-huh. If you can't do your performance or something catastrophic happens during the performance on the broadcast, they just play the dress rehearsal. Oh yeah. And um and Prince said, no, I want to. I'll go out in the rain. Hell yeah, purple <laughs> rain, baby. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And and it was great. I mean, it, it wasn't raining like super heavily, or at least yeah. not at first. And he had a wireless mic, so there wasn't like a chance of him getting electrocuted. Right, his right. guitar and his mic were wireless, so he wasn't connected right to, right to power. Um, you know, if if he had a wired mic, I would have said no. Like, no, you yeah, can't. Right. Cause, yeah, right. Because the, the, uh, you don't want to take a chance on, you know, yeah. no matter how cool it is, it's not going to kill your artist. <laughs> and um, but anyhow, that, it, that cool. I thought you know, that's the thing about Prince is he's the kind of guy that like. You know, he flipped the script at the last minute on almost anything. Yeah. But like sometimes some of the shows, some of the performances, there's something magic about him. And it's just, you know, it's hard to beat that. Like he was that was amazing. Like that was, you know, probably one of the best Super Bowl performances ever. And um, and that's how a lot of his shows were. You know, sometimes the shows he would just get in a bad mood and stop playing a song and just jump to a different song or whatever. Like it was very spontaneous. Oh, yeah. But um, but like. When he started playing Purple Rain and everybody in the audience is crying. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not crying bad sound, but crying. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah, I was I was really grateful to have that experience and uh I almost lost it. I almost lost working Uh-oh. for Prince because of Ten Foot Pole. When oh. I first started working with him, um we had a tour in Japan and um I told the people that hired me, like as you know, he first saw me working at a club and he really liked the sound and he kind of brought me in. It was kind of like a courtship process where he didn't fully trust me yet. And I was doing rehearsals and parties at his house and little gigs. And um, and I told everybody, I didn't tell him directly, but I told all the people, I'm totally free except this one little trip to Japan that I've committed to with my band. Yeah. And, um, and at the last minute before I headed out to Japan, I got this call and they said, Prince just booked a bunch of shows like in Chicago and St. Louis and whatever. And huh. he, he is wondering, you know, he knows you're supposed to go to Japan, but he really wants you to stay. <laughs> can you oh, can shoot. you come and work? And I told them no. And I was like, oh. I, I can't. I committed. Like, yeah, I committed I, my silly cool. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, the people think it's silly, but it's like you know, there's a lot of people also, you know, depending on your band to show up. Not just the fans, but like people in the industry who booked you guys and everything. So, you know, you you gotta keep your uh, your uh, obligations, whatever. Like uh, you gotta keep it real. Basically. Yeah, it's a commitment, and and there's been plenty of times, and that was one of them. But there's been plenty of times when I'd be at a show going. 
why did I do this? <laughs> like I should have just focused on my audio career and like, oh, yeah. you know, cause, cause the audio career is how I pay for my family, for my kids. Oh yeah. And the, and the band is just something that's like, I love doing the band, but it, it generally the band loses money and the audio career makes money. And, yeah. um, and that was one of those cases where it's like, because it was a commitment, I had to stick with it. Luckily for me, when I, when I came back, I, I found that, that Prince Prince had hired his old sound engineer and luckily for me, they didn't rekindle that romance. Like apparently he realized why he, you know, wanted yeah. to move on. And so I still had a job, but it could just have just as easily gone the other way. It could wow. have just as easily been like, yeah, why did I have that new guy? This guy already knows all my songs. He's done all these tours. I should just stick with the old guy. And, um, and that was, I, after that, I worked with him for more than a year. So in, in Prince time, that's like, a lifetime because yeah, sure. he doesn't usually keep he doesn't usually keep staff for more than a year <laughs> oh wow yeah. well that's super cool though uh to have that experience i'm sure um i wanted to touch back a little bit more about the band uh about what is this i didn't google it because i feel like i could get a better explanation from you anyway what is uh is it nardcore that people keep referring to uh, guys as? Oh, what is it? Sorry, I hit <laughs> um, it, it. Oxnard. Th- there's a city, Oxnard, in California. Yeah. Oxnard. It's in Ventura County, and it's uh, it's basically over the hill from Simi Valley. I grew up in Simi Valley, yeah. and um, we used to have punk parties. There are a lot of backyard parties, and, and uh, so there was a city called Oxnard where bands like Ill Repute and uh, Aggression and Stolic 13 and Dr. No um, had, had kind of a scene and they had a record on Mystic Records called Nardcore, and they invited Scared Straight to be on it. Ah. Even though we were from Simi Valley, not technically Oxnard, we were still kind of considered in the scene and close enough. And Scared and, Straight and we ended was, up doing. Whole, sorry, Scared Straight was a ten foot pole before ten foot pole was oh, yeah. the name. I should mention that. So ten foot pole is basically just Scared Straight. We just changed the name. Um, right. I mean, we've had different players over the years as people moved on. Uh, scared straight started in 1982 so really i've been in the same band since 1982 wow, that's just with different, different people here and there that's hard to do and um well yeah so so nardcore is oxnard hardcore and it's having kind of a big uh renaissance now like a lot of uh people just really like that hard and simple stuff and i'm writing a lot of songs that kind of go back right now i'm writing a rock album or we we're writing songs and and some of them are kind of back to that kind of scared straight vibe of kind of simple and aggressive and not so technical, just like pretty, pretty aggressive. So I like to change it up. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's what you want to do. You know, like, uh, you know, punk rock is kind of probably known for not changing it up. But if you could be one of those few bands that does, then you're probably going to stick out a little more. And that's cool. I like it. Um, but I like that. So, I, so Nardcore is basically just Oxnard core oxnard hardcore yeah that's tight i like it yeah so <laughs> yeah. it's a skate scene and surf scene yeah and, well um, yeah. you had a little record called oxnard land of no toilets and uh <laughs> yeah there's a there's a whole background to that you know it, it's a very underground scene but in those days we did a lot of backyard parties and that's what it was all about and oh, I, yeah. i'm actually trying to bring that back with after simmer down comes out I'm trying to do acoustic shows. Uh, basically, I'm trying to do yard parties again, but acoustic shows. I think um, that'll be a more like of a I, thing. Yeah. I hope so, especially with the pandemic and with, I 
the the reality is 10 foot poles not big you know we're we have a few fans in all these different cities so i want to go out there and play in their backyard and have kind of a relaxed family friendly you know people invite their friends and family over or whatever and we have like a campfire backyard little party and and i did it in uh quebec and ontario area just playing small venues and little backyard things and and then it was inside some somewhere in the garage somewhere in the house or whatever but the idea just being like to just make it more like a party and less like a concert where at a concert you have to have a venue where you you're hiring technicians and security and ticket takers and all this other stuff right if we could do it in a yard then and it's only me or like really low budget you know maybe 30 people show up and we'll call that a success. Sure. So I'm trying to do that May, April, like across Canada. And yeah. in, in Germany, in case you're still there, we, uh, 10 foot pole has a festival tour in uh, next summer. And I'm trying to get out there before the festival tour and do acoustic shows, like okay. maybe yard parties, maybe little theaters yeah. or whatever. Oh yeah. Well, I could tell you, you know, maybe when we're not recording where I can might maybe, uh, point you in the right direction of like people to get a hold of to to get here or like your agent or whatever. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, that that's real cool. And I'm thinking like, dude, it's weird thinking about the way the pandemic is affecting everything. Cause like, yeah, most likely I will be here because I kind of doubt that we're gonna be doing any touring even next year at this point, at least in the states. Because you know, like, I don't know, I I, I don't think we could do the acoustic thing. Like, I I certainly couldn't. Maybe Blue could. But like for us, it's kind of like all or nothing. You got to put on a show or you don't. Um, so I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know when that's going to be a thing again in the states. Uh, I know that the, 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 in Europe things are going a little smoother, so they're starting to do more like of the real shows and everything. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think everywhere though is going to be different, especially in the states. Because you got a lot of you got a lot of businesses, a lot of, a lot of small venues that are just don't exist anymore. They like went out of business or they're struggling real bad. Yeah. So I think your idea about like backyard parties and stuff, that's gonna be like a bigger reality for a lot of bands than they probably realize right now. Where uh, you know, like some of these bands that maybe just started playing clubs might be playing basements again soon. Cause you know who knows the the, the way yeah. you know they got to manage capacities and all that stuff. And like, there's just no more, there might not be too many clubs around anymore, you know? Yeah. And there's some people in, in my industry, in the sound industry that are talking about like these virtual concerts being the future. But the reality is I, I don't enjoy just playing to a camera. That's the thing. I I don't hate it, but I don't want to do that every night. Yeah. It needs to be in person, I think, um, even if that person is just like 30 people. And I could understand that a bigger band or even a full band, even the full 10-foot pole, like, I don't know if I can take the guys on the road if only 30 or 40 people are coming to a house party. But if it's just me or me and one other person, I could keep the expenses lower to where maybe I could survive and do that. Because at the end of the day, like, I can't can't lose too much money on the band. Right. You know, and that's, that's, I have kids, I have family to to take care of. It's one thing uh, to do when you're, uh, you know, 20 year old and you're like, well, I'm going to be drinking illegally at these parties anyway, so I might as well bring my band (laughs) along and we can fucking, uh, you know, like maybe make gas money to get to the next show. But, you know, you build a career around it and you're like, 
well, you know, now this band money is keeping me from, you know, robbing liquor stores, so I got to keep doing it. Well, maybe not so much anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that, that's a, a big thing. So I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but but uh, right now my wife works at Amazon. She's pushing boxes. Oh yeah, she's there right now. Like she, she's now a driver trainer. She's doing, you know, and um, and that's what's keeping us afloat. Like because all the the uh, disaster aid and everything disappeared. Yeah. So for sound engineers. There's no events going on right now. So there's no work pretty much. I mean there's yeah. there's a few things like the that. drive-in concerts sure. or, but yeah with with sound engineers my my next legitimate job I can't tell you with which artist but my next job yeah. is September of 2021. Oof. <laughs> so you know I basically have to look at how do I survive for the next year after the last 6 months has already been you know for the most part going in debt. Yeah. Um although there was some great aid for a while you know, how do I get through the next year until, and that's even like tentative. I mean, who knows? Like in a year, the numbers have to be lower for it to really happen. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I might have to don the mask too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're all done in some in case, kind of case mask. you guys are looking for a singer. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how lucrative it is, you know, or but the problem is I have a big nose. I might be recognizable even with the mask on. Well, the but, idea um, is you don the mask and, uh, you know, it works both ways. You could, Maybe try to be a master truder, or uh, maybe try to uh, you know do a job. You know, <laughs> why well, just make assume some money? <laughs> make some money the the easy way. Yeah. <laughs> guitar players, I bet you thought you were shit out of luck when it comes to finding your dream guitar amp. You know, you go on some auction site or something, and it's all crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because you know you got to look in the right place, and the right place is Yeah Man's Vintage and Used Guitars. They got exactly what you're looking for. Now, I know what you're thinking. Aren't they located in, like, Switzerland or something? Yeah, man, they are. Burn Switzerland, to be exact. But, you know, you can uh, get on the internet and you can go check out their website, yeahmansguitars.com, and uh, you can order stuff on there. So, uh, you know, it don't really matter where the heck you are in the world. You can just get on their website and uh, find all sorts of cool stuff that you're looking for. And you might not even know that you wanted it until you see it on there. And there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, if you got something specific you're looking for and need some help finding it, just hit up Yeah Man Guitars on the electronic mail. That's the email. It's like 21st century and you got email and websites. It's like amazing. Some people would call it magic. Some people would call it science. I just call it, I don't know crazy shit uh yeahmansguitars at gmail.com as far as email goes it's where you email them and while you're at it get your band a tour in europe and stop out of shop michael and the rest of the crew would love to meet you i'm sure and you could tell them green sent you yeah man's vintage and used guitars Hi, Intruder Maniacs. Are you in a band? The answer is, of course you are. Everybody's in a fucking band these days. Anyway, if you're in a band, congratulations. I'm making the worst financial decision of your life, aside from taking out college loans or something. Yeah. Now, there is a way to lessen the burden of such a financial decision. It's called merchandising. And Stupid Rap Merch Company is all ready to meet your merchandising needs. You want uh, some t-shirts? Uh, you want got a tight deadline you need them printed on? And because you booked a tour less than a month out and uh, didn't get canceled like everybody else's tours did. 
Uh, how about a bunch of weird random trinkets like keychains or medallions? And what about koozies? You know, like everybody likes koozies. Koozies are great because they keep your drink cold and your hand warm or vice versa, depending on what you're drinking. Stupid Red Merch Company can get all these made for you. Stupid Red Merch Company is an in-house artist who can help you with your designs and stuff. They're still a small enough company that uh, they pay special attention to you and your special needs because, you know, everybody's got special needs. Like, uh, you know, you probably mostly. And uh, they even got a web store. That's where the real magic is. You go on tour and you sell your stuff, but chances are you're going to have some leftover or some fans are going to feel like left out because they didn't have enough money to buy something at your show. So they go on a stuporedmerch.com and find stuff from your band on there. They'll take care of all your production and shipping fulfillment needs. So go ahead, go on a stupid merch company web store right now and uh, check out all the tight bands that are already on there. They got a bunch of them like uh, the Bomb Pops and like the Bad Cop, Bad Cop and stuff. It's all good. Uh, yeah. Uh, all sorts of cool swag. And uh, right now... Right now, if you go on there and at checkout, you use the code PRISON, you can get 15% off all of the uh, Stupid Red merch branded apparel uh, at stupidredmerch.com. Go check it out. Stupidredmerch.com. But anyhow, yeah, that's a, it, it's, the future is uncertain, but I'm just trying to make the best I can every day with making new songs and swinging back and forth between acoustic and rock and backyard parties and festivals and whatever it takes and just trying to uh, get people to hear the songs. I, I think Simmer Down is something that, especially the, the older punks like me, yeah. would enjoy as an alternative to like, you know, when you want to listen to something mellow, but you don't want it, you know, uh, you don't want something that's that commercial. You still like the vibe and the style of punk rock songwriting or whatever we've done in the past, the acoustic gives you kind of a different, easier on the ear version of hearing that style. Oh yeah. And um, I, I think if people give it a listen, um, it, it could be a, uh, it could be good. And they maybe they want that to happen in their backyard. Hell yeah, I would, I would, I would love to go to that backyard party. I would love to go to any backyard party right now. If there was like an acoustic punk band <laughs> playing, that would make it so much better. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's going to be, the, the future is going to be weird. That's all I can say. That's my prediction. And, uh, you know, backyard <laughs> parties, fucking A. Why not? Hell yeah. 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 Plus, I like telling stories. I don't know uh, uh, if it, if depending on, well, I don't know if that's a feature or just what happens. But at the acoustic gigs, I try to tell more stories or have question and answers. Like I might say, you know, does anybody have any questions? And we'll just, we'll just go down a tangent and just take off. And um, my, my goal is to kind of be like a Henry Rollins meets Johnny Cash playing <laughs> in the backyard. And, uh, you know, like my monologues don't always have a point. Like Henry Rollins usually tries to have the moral of the story. Sure. Mine may not have a moral of the story, but at least it, it kind of uh, try to keep it interesting and, and, let, and answer people's questions. Like you said, it might be more fun than Googling it to ask oh, a question. Yeah. You know, what, what's this song about? Well, you know, how did the, where, where did you write this song or? You know, where did you come up with that accent or, you know, things like that? And, uh, you know, and I just have to say, well, there's a part of Berlin that's kind of old school. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. Yeah, that's just where that accent flows from, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, and that's the thing, like, uh, with, with all the isolation we everyone's been going through lately, I think it, at some point, you know, like, in conversations, people would be like, oh, I wonder about this. And back in the day, we used to, like, 
talk about it and bullshit about it, make shit up because it was fun to do. And at a certain point, everybody's like, well, just Google it. You want to know the answer? Just Google it. Just fucking fig- find out. Yeah. But lately, I don't know about you, but I've had this like thing where I'm like, man, I know that I could find this out on the internet, but I sure do miss just asking a buddy and then they don't have the answer either, but we just make up some shit and go with it. Like that sort of thing was so much fun and we stopped doing it and now we can't do it because nobody get like hang out as much. So uh, yeah, that's kind of like my main thing I miss from like seeing my buds yeah. and stuff, you know? Yeah, and I, you don't want to encourage people, everybody be looking down at their phone Googling all the time when you exactly. could be actually arguing about, you know, who was the <laughs> who was the star of that movie when, you know, the Kung Fu guy comes in? <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, oh, yeah, Iron Fist? Oh, or you're like, yeah, you just start talking about different movies and somehow you just make up a movie of your own. No, that's good stuff. I love it. <laughs> argue about it for about an hour <laughs> yeah <it's laughs> no <cool>. no <laughs> yeah uh someday we'll get back to it maybe 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 uh you know when it when it when i don't know what's gonna happen after november like uh big revolutionary stuff happens in america and the internet goes down we'll be just like ah internet we don't need that no more it, w- it was fun while it lasted let's just go back to like sitting around campfires and like Talking shit. I mean, that could happen. Yeah, yeah. I, who knows? Yeah, who knows what will happen uh, when th- things seem to be uh, coming to a head, as they say. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. But, you know, I I feel like uh, as far as playing music and, uh, and and also doing sound, that's that's a very important... Uh, you know, it's like you said, uh, you thought you might do, like, lawyer work or something like... Uh, what do you, what did you call it? Useful or something? I think, uh, I think, yeah, it'll be a- I think being a good sound engineer is, is maybe one of the lesser appreciated, uh, you know, things to do in, with your life. But I think it's actually very important. I think people don't realize how important it is. Uh, <laughs> when you're in a band, and we, especially a punk rock band, and you've been doing it for a while, I think you get to know exactly how important that is. So uh, I actually really appreciate yeah. the work on that level, on that aspect. So uh, yeah, there's good stuff. And uh, oh well, thank you. Sometimes yeah. I feel like it's like sometimes I feel like there's value to to what I do, both with the music and the sound. In the music, I like to think that there's a social value with um oh absolutely connecting people yeah i feel like especially in in the world where there's a lot of different influences that are dividing people and and um you know like like facebook thrives on confrontation if you put if you put something nice out there and you get a few likes it's all over but if you put if you say something really mean or really just controversial then people get angry and they they respond and and then it goes viral and that that so it basically is that anger and that the clash that's that's encouraged in those uh, venues, and I like to think that the music, like the lyrics, and even just getting people in the same room, appreciating bands. At the end of the day, most of us go through a lot of the same challenges. You know, a lot of us are struggling with money, struggling with emotional issues, struggling with depression, or you know, relationship things like, you know, are we even meant to be monogamous or all these other different issues that all people go through the same kind of frustrations and disappointments. And am I a good father? How did I fail my kids? How did 
this thing happen. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I feel like going out there and singing these songs, it, it, whether it's at people's houses or at a festival or something, that it it kind of is an example to people to go like, hey, we're you know we're really all the same. We yeah. have different privileges and different opportunities and things that happen here and there, but a lot we feel most of the same emotions. You know, we get stoked when we win the lottery and we get sad when our puppy dies, you know, and it's kind of like life is a bunch of roller coaster moves like that. And um, I, like it, it doesn't it's it's not big, but it's at least I'm not, uh, you know, hurting people, I think. Yeah. So between doing sound for people and doing that, I, I wouldn't say that my life's been totally wasted, but it, but it's not as grand and heroic as I had imagined when I started <laughs> with kind of like I'm going to be the next, you know, whatever. <laughs> come and save the day and you know as a kid you're kind of like well i don't know i mean I, obviously you guys went a, went, went a completely different direction but as a kid like i watch a lot of movies where <laughs> there's always like the hero that has great ethics like you know like oh, i watched yeah. westerns and oh yeah. um, you know and there, there's always like you know the hero is a good person and they have good ethics and regardless of all the other stuff going ar- uh, around they stand up to evil and they you know and not just westerns, but everything like Star Wars or Harry Potter, all these other sure, movies. It's sure. all it's well, basically all about <laughs> the guys standing up against the forces of corruption and evil. And um, well, so I like think, you get that in your head as a kid, and then if you don't save the world, you kind of feel a little let down. <laughs> well, you know, it, since you bring it up, I think we all have a chance to be that hero. You know, coming pretty soon, uh, especially when you talk about like. Star Wars, for instance. Yeah. Could be, uh, there's gonna be some crazy shit going on in America. We need to fucking, uh, figure it out. Blow up the Death Star. <laughs> blow up the Death Star. Do something. Star. Do something. I mean, you know, like, hopefully, you know, the election works out and everything's fine. But then you still got the whole, like, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and all this, uh, social injustice that I think the Black Lives Matter movement has actually opened people's eyes up to more than anything. It's like it was always going on, and now people are actually uh, concerned with it. And honestly, like, yeah, obviously, we get more. We get more of uh, what we got right now. It's not going to be good. It's going to be real bad. We get more of, uh, you know, yeah. if if the other guy gets elected, it's not going to be worse. But it'll like go back to the way it was, and I don't know if that's that great either. So. I'm not yeah, trying to get I'm sure you're talking about politics, Berlin, you? right? You're talking about yeah, German politics out exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, it's bad all over, you know? Like, Germany's got plenty of their issues, too. Um, but they yeah. feel real bad about that thing that happened, you know, 70 years ago? How long ago was that? I don't know. Uh, 80 years ago. Holy shit, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> we still feel bad about it. That even happened. Impossible. How could that thing happen? Right. And um, we're kind of watching it. But yeah, exactly. I... I I think kind of the more the more people push for equality, the more there's also that backlash that that's pretty violent too. That says, "Oh yeah, let's ignore those parts of history that we don't want to talk about. Let's uh, let's look at the you know, let's talk about how we're great, not talk about the things w- that we did that were were bad, or even the things today that we're doing. Let's ignore those things and just mm-hmm. accentuate the positive, or however you want to put it. Yeah. There's those forces, and and um, it's it could be brutal. Um. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, I, you know what? Let's get, since you brought it up, you kind of went into more detail. Yeah. I had a thought this morning. Well, not just this morning, but, um, you know, people are worried about armed insurrection and things like that. And yeah. uh, it's my opinion 
that uh, if we really want to make a difference in things, probably the most power we have is with our um, with whether we work and whether we pay bills. So like say things went really, really bad. The reality is if a bunch of us just said, I'm not going to pay my bills and I'm not going to go to work until this political situation is solved. If a bunch of people said that, the whole economy would crash. And then all the people who are in charge would say, hey, whoa, whoa, you guys need to get back to work. You guys need to pay suddenly because all of a sudden the bank fail. Like my my point being that you're you're the strongest that an individual has is not going and buying a gun and shooting someone right i don't think the strongest power you have for making change like if you want to really make change the strongest power we have is a strike strike against paying bills oh yeah strike against going to work those two things like like look at 2008 like our whole economy crashed because some people stopped making payments on their houses right yeah imagine if we just imagine if 30 percent of the country just said I'm not going to pay my bills and I'm not going to work. Yeah. The whole country would shut down. And, and as much as people want to say, Oh, well then they'll, you know, these bad things will happen. The reality is that the, the people who suffer the most generally are the poor people. And we have kind of the least to lose in some ways, like the people who have the most to lose are the ones who are sitting on huge stacks of money and just kind of sucking the life out of everything. Right. Anyway, but- that was my two minutes apology. Well, yeah. my point being that if people <laughs> join together and are willing to stop paying or stop working, we could make a very serious political statement without killing people. Yeah, I got one more question, but I wanted to add to that your two minutes of politics. I'll add one more minute because uh, uh, you know you, you talk about the you know, the people with all the money. If people stop going to work and paying their bills, suddenly that money that they've got saved up is it's basically worthless if you if you can't make people work because yeah you could be like still buying stuff that you need but who's going to sell it to if nobody's working so it yeah that's what i mean is that if if the system shuts down everything like like the whole the markets everything would crash right so at some point i mean it might just go back to bartering like money might not have value at that point yeah. who who you know like so my point being that if you're sitting on billions of dollars and you're running these big levers that control government and control the armies and control the big si- system, you don't want those dollars to be worthless. Yeah. So if something happens that makes the whole system crash, you yeah. want to stop that. That's the whole reason that they originally voted to spend $2 trillion to help people at the beginning of the pandemic. It wasn't because they give a shit about poor people. Right. It's because they know if poor people are paying their bills... The banks are going to fail. Right. And if the banks like it, 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 we're basically like on a on a a, uh, we're on a boat together. And if any part of that boat develops a huge leak, the whole thing goes down. And the people who are up in first class, they don't want their boat to sink. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's true. I believe out there. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying like we should, you know have an armed revolution or any of that kind of stuff I, right. all i'm saying is that if it gets to that if it gets to where people are that angry and that freaked out to where they're wanting to hurt each other that's what i think would have a a bigger impact on the big picture than like going out in the street and throwing rocks at police oh, or something sure. where you're yeah. likely to get killed yeah. you know and at least for people who have families like i don't want to be out there um you know yeah. risking my family. Exactly. I mean, I don't want to risk my my shelter either. But at the end of the day, if enough people don't pay their bills, they're not going to be able to evict anyone. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially in America where people are sitting with, you know. <laughs> well, people <laughs> do have guns. <laughs> but, if, but if half the country is evicted and we're, we're in our, you know, if half yeah. the country is, is being told they're evicted, but they're armed and sitting at home. Yeah. There's not going to be any evictions. Right. Right. Hey, sounds good to me. I mean, you, you, you have to check up everything with, with some kind of threat of violence. But I don't recommend going out. It's the American the way. But I do. What's that? It, that is the American <laughs> way. I don't care about what people said before. They're like a threat of violence. It's like uh, you know, like what it would. I think there was like an Al Capone quote. It's like uh, you can do a lot with a handshake and a smile, but like you could do even more with a handshake, a smile, and a gun or something. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody, but but that's. That's the thing is like, uh, you know, if, if it's just a, a lot of abuse goes on for a long time, yeah. at some point, you know, we need to stand up to it. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe in equality and treating each other with respect. And um, and I, I hope for a better world. But the more we push for a better world, the more the uh, other forces come in who yeah. want to preserve their privileges and their wealth and power. And oh, yeah. it's a uh, but I, I'd love for there to just be like kind of happy and relaxed situations where i can just cruise around and play in people's backyards that's Hell yeah. the Why future not? i prefer i don't want to be sitting at my house like growing vegetables in the backyard and you know yeah. sitting waiting for somebody to try to evict me <laughs> yeah i know i mean i think I, but I, th yeah i think everybody wants things to be easier and be happy but maybe we got to the point lately where enough people didn't have that that there's time to be like hey i don't have that uh none nobody i'm related to ever had that uh when's shit gonna change uh there's more of us than ever that don't have that and like you know like what do, what do they call it the two percent one percent that does have it all anyway you know politics social justice all that it's stuff. hard to have peace if you don't have justice <laughs> if, if there's not real justice there can't be real peace. And that's that's real. If if there's people who are in heavy injustice, there's not peace because those people are gonna be willing to threaten your peace if you you know, if if they're not if they're not comfortable and safe and secure and their families are in danger, yeah. then everyone's in danger. Um I got speaking of injustice, I got one last question and I usually like to ask it before the interview so you can think about it. So I'm sorry I didn't do that. I'm off my game. Uh, but crime stories. Do you got any? I think you're doing because you basically got me to go like deep into politics with <laughs> like, you know, for the happens. most part. I well, that's because there's percentage of our fans who are just like, you know, for whatever reason might be instantly offended to be like, oh, screw those guys. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. I can't afford to fans. I, I hope people just listen to the songs and judge us on the songs, not on yeah. what any, what me or anyone in the band like might say on any given day. Yeah, it's a weird time for that sort of thing with, uh, like, you know, I think the left has the, the left uh, side of the spectrum has the, the cancel culture, but, you know, the right side has kind of always had a cancel culture where as soon as you start, you know, acting like a hippie or something, they're like, oh, fuck you. Um, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like uh, you know, everyone but Noah died, right? So, the 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 leader of the right said, "I'm willing to kill everyone in the world, except for this one guy and some some animals he brings on the boat." I mean, if we start with you know, or uh, or you yeah, know, you guys are kicked out of the garden. True. Ate that apple. Yeah. 
<laughs> there you go. But uh, to the point, crime stories. Do you got any? Oh, crime stories. Yeah. That's a that's a tricky one. Yeah, I know. It's it's that's why I like to usually it's give a... people time to think about it because <laughs> I don't necessarily want you to incriminate yourself. Nobody has ever told a story <laughs> that they got actually in trouble for yet. But I'm not necessarily like gonna stop that from happening because that will probably put this podcast on a map or uh, on the audio map, <laughs> however that works. I don't know. Get like a thousand well, likes on uh, YouTube. Well, that's a funny thing because um, oh, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Okay. But like we're joking <laughs> about this. Yeah. But uh, this literally happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a guy who was a security guy at a protest um, yeah. uh, shot a guy and uh, he shoot. Yeah, we think. Oh, and wait. he told Slate about it. Okay. And he basically uh, uh, admitted to it, although he claimed it was in kind of self-defense. All right. And the next day or two days later, uh, police went to, quote, arrest him, but they didn't happen to turn their video cameras on or maybe they turned them off. Okay. And supposedly had a gun and was threatening them. And so he was killed. So some might say he was executed, but we don't have the footage to show it. Huh. And the uh, president mentioned something about retribution being something that has to happen. So basically what we have is police executed someone who was and admittedly he uh, he admitted that he was that he was the one who killed the person, although you could argue that it was defense or he would have argued if he had a trial. Yeah. So in this case, he had no trial was killed, was accused of, you know, uh, resisting arrest, although we have no video footage. One, I guess they had one witness said that he he did resist or that he pulled a gun or something, but then they have other witnesses who said he didn't. And that's basically, when, when I say that there's no justice, no peace, to me, if people are getting executed, yeah. that's not justice. But the reason that they even know about him or found him, I think, was because he did an interview with slate and it was you know they said his name and they said who he was and so when you say not incriminating yourself not only could you incriminate yourself you could get yourself executed yeah. in our current the, uh, yep. depending what you, so i am going to plead the fifth because that's the <laughs> smart thing to do in situation like if if your question is about any kind of criminality that i or anyone near me might have ever done <laughs> I am going to plead the fifth. I love it. Hey, I and, will and never. I will take that. You shouldn't Absolutely. talk to if someone suspecting you of a crime. You should get a lawyer. Absolutely. If you're being asked questions by law enforcement, the the all the advice says get a lawyer. Use your Miranda rights because you don't know what they're asking. You don't know how things might go. Yeah. Um. You don't know when you could be trapped because basically it's like a game, and they're trying to they're trying to pin the crime on someone. You you might you might be totally innocent, but say something that they can later say you know misconstrue as a lie. Like maybe you say you were somewhere and you're off by ten minutes or something. Sure. So the best thing is zip the mouth, get a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hey I'm I'm right on board with that. Um, plead the fifth. I mean, we got a we got a song called Plead the Fifth, and uh, you know like we we're all about pleading the fifth. So I appreciate that. Also, I think your story about what I always say is you could tell a story about somebody else if you want. To. Um, so that counts as a crime story. 
So, uh, you know, we covered all the bases. I think we'll... Yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying job. I'm an expert about that situation in Portland, oh, yeah. but it is something that if, if people do want to Google it, I mean, at least from what I read, it straight up looks like an execution. Yeah. My, my opinion is if, if, if law enforcement turns off their camera when they're going to arrest someone and that person dies, we should no longer have a uh, assumption of innocence. Yeah. Because turning off the camera right there shows intent to commit a crime. Yeah. That's my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, someday maybe the cops will be held accountable for their bullshit. Maybe. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to come out with blanket statements about anybody, but I feel like there needs to be justice. And yeah. for there to be justice, no one should be above the law. You know, murder should not murder should be punished, whether it's done by a policeman or a protester or the president or whoever. Yeah. Like if you break the law, you should we should all have the same basic consequences, the same basic features. And that that's that's what justice is, is being treated fairly equally, not saying, hey, you guys get a pass because you're part of this special gang. Right. Yeah, I agree. You get a pass because you're rich. (laughs) You get a pass because you're white. Like, that's not justice. Yeah. How did you get me so political? This is like the the most. I keep doing it too. Like, I'm not trying to make this a political (laughs) podcast. It's well, it's just like it's it's on everybody's minds lately, and it just happens. But I appreciate you and your uh, endeavors as a sound guy and a and a punk rocker. And having having you the views that you do have, and playing tight tunes, uh, shredding while singing, that's hard to do, <laughs> and uh, you're you're, oh. you're very good at that. Um, but yeah, we've got the, we've got a good time here, and uh, yeah, we should probably call it. Um, it was good talking to you, Denny. Oh, thank you, Intruder Green. Oh, and where can people? <laughs> I know you mentioned the. Uh, I, I know you mentioned the website. Is there any, do you guys active on the social medias and all that? Yeah, I, I handle all the um, Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. I think those are usually 10-foot pole banned. Okay. But uh, to just to keep it simple, 10footpole.com has links to all those. Okay. So if you, know, if you can get on the internet and you go to 10footpole.com, we also have kind of a fan club. That's a goofy way of saying it. But we, um, we have a Patreon uh, group where subscribers can put in a dollar a month or more to support the band. And we give, we give back benefits and there's a, there's different things like uh, early access to music or, um, or certain things that only they can buy like test pressings of albums and things. So, but, but all that's available at 10 footpole.com. Like we have skateboard decks and shirts and vinyl and there's, there's a lot of stuff, but 10 footpole.com is where I would send people and T E N. Not the numeral 10, but the word oh, T-E-N, yeah, yeah. foot pole. Excellent. And um, yeah, so it's just me out there. So if you, yeah, if you, um, I just got my 5,000 friends on Facebook. So, oh, nice. uh, so it's hard to be my friend nowadays, <laughs> but, but I am still on there. You still send a message or whatever in it. And I'm the one who handles it all. So, um, I, you know, I try to make like 10 foot poles, a small band. I try to make it to where, because we're small, we can give personal kind of communication with people and oh, yeah. play in your backyard and, and whatnot. And uh, so that's, that's kind of what we're about. And I encourage people to say hello, because sometimes I'm having a rough day and somebody will write a nice note about how something changed their life, uh, you know, listening to songs in the nineties or something. And yeah. it's always nice to hear oh, that yeah. never gets old. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you guys 
have been doing it for a little longer than we have, so you probably get a lot of that more. But yeah, I've I've experienced that. And it's one of the best things when uh, you know people say stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you're feeling down that day, you know. Especially you oh, know yeah. being at home in the pandemic and. and and have any kind of self-doubt about, like, what am I doing sitting here writing songs for a record when we can't even tour? Like, maybe I should be out working at Amazon, you know, doing other stuff or just try to make a few bucks. But, um, you know, those kind of uh, that kind of encouragement, especially having patrons who are willing to actually, like, donate to the band, essentially, um, keeps it going. It's like, you know, I, I feel an obligation and, and I want to keep making music most days. And uh, that really helps to have people, uh, you know, supporting the band. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, it's good talking to you. Uh, we should get going, I guess. Unless there's anything else you wanted to bring up. No, I would, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll leave with a nice, <laughs> with a less political, but <laughs> still <right>. political message. <laughs> uh, I wrote a song called Don't Be a Dick. Oh, and, yeah, uh, that's a good one. The reason I wrote it. <laughs> the reason I wrote it was to remind myself to be a good person. And that generally in life. <laughs> If you're cool to other people, it works out better for everybody. It makes the world better. And so there's kind of this refrain in the back of my head that I try to remember when I'm tempted, you know, like say I'm in traffic and somebody cuts me off. Like part of me wants to just run them off the road and kill their whole family. Yeah. But then in the back of my mind, I hear, don't be a dick, 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 dick. Yeah. You know, and I start thinking, you know what? You know, if I run that guy off the road and kill his family, it's possible that he'll have a brother or somebody that like comes and tries to get my family. And then all of a sudden it turns into a, you know, decades or centuries long feud. Yeah. And um, things basically work out better if we're kind to each other. So that's that's what I'd like to leave with is, uh, you know, the world can be vicious. And sometimes it's just the little decisions that we make, like if we're going to get in a big fight about something silly. Or, or maybe it's not silly, but you still have a, a choice of walking away versus like, you know, sweeping the leg. So I'd say <laughs> if you can, please don't be a dick. Yeah. And check out Simmer Down coming out October 9th. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks for having me out in Trader Green. Hell I hope yeah. to see you guys soon and uh, play in your backyard in Berlin. We'll have a pretzel and a little, you know, beer and have, the, you know, lots of shice talk. Yeah, some schnitzels and stuff. <laughs> All right. And that's it for the Intruder Green Podcast. I want to thank Dennis again for being on it. You can hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Intruder Green. The Intruder Green calling line is plus 1608-535-9608. Patreon.com slash Intruder Green if you want to become a producer of the podcast. The Intruder Green Podcast is produced by Colin Bennett, Hair and Makeup by Genevieve Smith, set designed by Dylan Raymer, catering Matthew Hendershot, Lighters, Sweet Flights, Rahway, New Jersey. Our theme song is Particles by Typhoon. The whole world is watching. I wish you could see me better. It looks like I'm backlit. I'm totally backlit, so that's not great. But uh, sorry about that. Not much I can do about it. Well, that, at this that's point, kind of goes with your ethos, right? That's You're... right. I'm I'm hiding out. <laughs> that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs>